You're listening to Why We Do What We Do. Welcome to Why We Do What We Do. I'm going to be your pro-science host, Abraham. (laughs) And I'm going to be your worst gift-giving host, Shane. Merry Christmas, (laughs) y'all. Man, that's a great one. <laughs> Speaking of which, we're fresh out of the holiday seasons. Thanks for tuning in. Yeah. Or at least out of the Thanksgiving holiday season. Yeah. We're coming up now on the next big one. Yeah. And so hopefully your tofurkeys were plump and delicious. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, we're going to be talking about. Let's set this up this way. We're talking about a topic that could certainly come across as being misrepresenting or even judgmental, right? And the reason that we're talking about this is that we we are taking a pro-science stance against something that is definitively anti-science. Yes. Right? Yeah. So that's the goal today. So just to be clear, as we're going into this, the position we're coming from, there are topics that are particularly oriented toward a group of people, a set of ideas, a set of preferences, that sort of thing. The reason that we're going to be taking them to task is because they are exploiting vulnerable populations for a huge profit in the name of an anti-science value. Absolutely. And you'll see kind of what this looks like as we go over the examples. It's it's kind of what we've discovered going into the holiday season. It's the theme of the show. It's all fine until somebody dies. That's right. And so like you'll see that like as we talk about some of these topics, there is financial harm that comes along with these things that are touted as cures, as beneficial to people. And it's kind of like, you know, different industries when we talk about like the vitamin industry and we talk about other things. When it becomes unregulated and anti-science. It becomes harmful to people who believe in this and becomes harmful to people who like buy into it. So this is where we're coming from is this can be harmful to a certain group of people that can't critically evaluate how this stuff works. Right. Now, just also as a very quick PSA, my cat apparently needs all of my attention right now. So I'm I'm hoping that it's not distracting the audio as it comes (laughs) through, but I think he's going to be hanging out with me during the recording of this. I'm I'm going to try and and keep it so that he is not distracting. Yeah, it'll be good. We got a visitor, a podcast guest today. This is our our third host, I guess. Yeah. So we I don't think we've actually mentioned what we're talking about, have no. we? No, we haven't. We are talking about goop. <laughs> As Shane pointed out before we recorded or before we hit record, this is goop with a capital G. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're proper down goop. Right. Not the stuff you find underneath the trash can in your kitchen goop. This is the uppercase G proper noun goop. Yeah, so in today's episode, we're going to talk about this brand and kind of what it is, but we're going to try to answer some questions around it. So some of the questions are, what is the health and wellness brand goop? Is it the only producer of the, quote, ultimate G-spot vibrator, end quote, or the, quote, oh nut, end quote, penis buffer to control how deep somebody might penetrate? Or how about the new DTF plant-based sexual wellness pills for women? Oh, no. Goop is so much more. So much to unpack already. <laughs> this started as an insightful newsletter for women curated by Gwyneth Paltrow in 2008, but has since grown 
into an online purveyor of everything from social commentary, sex accessories, clothing, beauty products, podcasts, recipes, travel tips, and more somehow. But it's geared toward all or really only elite few. Well, okay. Well, it depends on on you know what your sort of range is. If you're buying ninety dollars t-shirts and fifteen thousand dollar gold dildos or fancy podcasts, we're not we're not pointing any fingers, dear listeners. <laughs> yeah. There's just a there's a demographic, it sounds like. So now goop.com's about goop section self-describes as quote, we operate from a place of curiosity and non-judgment. And we start hard conversations, crack open taboos, and look for connection and resonance everywhere we can find it. We don't mind being the tip of the spear. So in short, we go first so you don't have to. Tip of the spear? <laughs> first so you don't have to? That's what he said. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Nice. This is almost the standard boilerplate non-science rhetoric. If I were to start an anti-science conspiracy brand that I suckered people into giving me their money into making terrible decisions and hurting themselves and others around them, then the way to go about doing it is to tell people that you're on the cutting edge mm-hmm. to tell them that, you know, what you're doing is to, you know, we're shaking up the norm. We're, we're putting in, you know, we're, we've found this thing that nobody else knows about, but us. And now only you can know it too, for a small fee. Right. Here are the anecdotal reports that tell you that. Exactly right. There's so many red flags in that statement that show up with people who have these mythic sort of anti-science positions that I can already see you know, where they're coming from, but I also can already see why it works. And I think it's worth digging into why this kind of rhetoric works on people, but it, because it's basically set up to exploit your vulnerabilities and lie to you like you know, one, one strategy is to accuse is to, you know, paint yourself in the light of your enemies that people have allegiance toward. Right. And to accuse your enemies of doing the things that you yourself are doing. Yeah. That begs the question of like, where is this place of curiosity and not judgment they're talking about? And that lies in the fact that they're kind of doing what they want and not backing up what they're doing. Science itself is a place of curiosity and also non-judgment. Science is. Right. Because we're experimenting, we're exploring the world, we're trying to understand these phenomena, but they're not doing that with science. They're doing that with like, here's the thing that we heard. We're going to test it out and people might like this thing, but it doesn't actually have any like actual benefits where they crack open taboos and start hard conversations. They start looking for connections everywhere they can find it. But eh, I mean, it's it's kind of one of those things where it's casting a wide net. Right. They might need to call in Marianne Wilson or Professor Trelawney on this one to kind of figure out what's going on. <laughs> Indeed. And so about the name Goop, Gwyneth Paltrow business tip, apparently, that successful companies have double O's in their name. You got Facebook, Google, Yahoo, although I don't know how successful Yahoo is these days. Yeah, that's and true. thus Goop. Yeah. So what do they sell, Abraham? What what kinds of things does Goop sell to people who are interested in kind of just, I don't know, living a, a high quality life, being the tip of the spear, if you will? Right, yeah. Cracking open taboos. Basically getting suckered into buying expensive things that do nothing. Yeah. Unfortunately, this is where we're going to talk a lot about sex stuff. Yeah. So we always try and keep this family friendly, PG, and know that that's what we're going to be talking about for the next several minutes. Yes. All right. So one of the things that they sell is the vagina candle. And in an interview with Seth Meyers, Paltrow claimed that while on mushrooms with a scent maker, she noticed a unique scent that she believed smelled like her nether regions and the candle scent is quite literally named 
this smells like my vagina. That's the actual name of the product. Very on the nose. Can't get clearer than that. I love that you used on the nose in that as well. Like when it talks about scents. Now, the first half of this sounds awesome. Being on mushrooms with a candle maker, that sounds great. Yeah. So, so we were off, we're off to a good start. Yeah. But like everything else, it's it starts <laughs> to fall apart. So. Yeah. So Paltrow claims that the candle helps fight the patriarchy and a wave of body shaming. So, okay, I hear maybe kind of like like I hear like this idea of empowerment and all that. Like I understand that part of it. Yeah. Right. I understand that kind of like that mentality and that feeling. But yeah. the actual scent is a warm blend of geranium, cedar absolutes, damask rose and ambrette. So does this check out? I don't know. Email us at info at www.podcast.com. Let us know if you have a vagina candle. And tell us what you think. Now, if you want to buy one, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I would much rather you all be Patreons because this candle itself is $75. It's going set you back 75 bones. Yeah. You can support us on Patreon for a lot less than that. For $1, you could seven, you support us for 75 months. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so to be fair, we're not going to give you anything that smells like anybody's vagina. Yeah. So if that's, if that's your bag. And I think, you know, uh, to your point. We're not at all concerned about the fact that there's a candle that smells like a vagina if they if that's what she wants to sell and if that feels empowering to people. And honestly, it probably is not really harmful in any way, depending on how it's sourced and what it's made of and all that. I think in this case, it's the the price tag that is a little alarming. Yeah. Of why anything should ever cost that much money. Right. But hey, maybe you've got one and you're like, my candle needs a, a friend. Well, there's a sequel. Uh, they made another candle called the smells like my orgasm candle Mm -hmm. that's again on the nose (laughs) and this is described as sexy surprising and wildly addictive (laughs) whoa yeah not something i would ever want a candle to be described as as wildly addictive i don't want a candle to be described as surprising it's fire (laughs) right yeah it's a thing that's on fire i want it to be controlled Uh, yeah, I want the candle to do candle things. Yeah. This one smell is comprised of tart grapefruit, neroli, and ripe cassis berries blended with gunpowder tea and Turkish rose. Huh. Maybe my experiences are limited in the way of the world, but <laughs> it's just not what I would have expected the sense to be in a candle by that name. So then one day, in a flat over North London, there's a vagina candle that burst into flames. A woman went out, went to light her brand new candle and described the effect as, quote, an inferno. With a flame that launched into the air unexpectedly. She claimed that it was difficult to manage, but that her and others had tossed the candle out the front door to avoid further risk. Was the story an embellishment? Uh, what is an embellishment? I don't know. This is a this is a whole thing. This might have been a thing that happened. It might not have been. We don't know. This is how the Great Forest Fire started. <laughs> yeah. I guess to that point, you know, they delivered on their promise of surprises. So yeah, yeah that sounds surprising. <laughs> <laughs> There's that. Yeah. So again, I don't really care. Like I, it sounds like I'm being judgmental because I'm making jokes about about these things. The really the point is like, sure, make make a candle smell in like whatever you think it smells like. It's the price tag for what do you get from this thing? You know, maybe just mix the sense yourself. And arguably, as we go through these other products, which we're going to highlight in a second, that's probably the least harmful one. Yeah. If that was all they sold was candles with provocative names, then it'd be like, cool. Like, Sure. I mean, expensive, like crazy expensive, but there's lots of crazy expensive things out there yeah. that seem to have no real utility. So, right. Sure. Yeah. So your scented candles that are very unique. That's fine. So let's start getting into the things that maybe are more problematic. Yeah. So we have these DTF pills. These are supposed to boost female libido and combat things that threaten libido, such as stress and anxiety, hormone changes, exhaustion and age. Okay. 
Sounds good, I guess. What's in it? So we have Libifem, Fenugreek Extract, Shatavari, and Saffron Extract. And if you'll please put on your earmuffs to block the Mandrake screams too, that would that would be lovely. <laughs> so this is just one of those issues where I don't know if we've talked much about the supplement industry. But with these unregulated markets, they can kind of just put anything in, in whatever. There was actually a study that was done a few years ago that found that they pulled supplements off the shelves at Walmart's. There were some supplements that did not contain even one iota of the thing that they were supposed to be a supplement of. Right. And in fact, that actual compound or, or chemical was in other supplements that said that they didn't have it. Right. Because they don't care. They don't care. Like they're just basically filling plastic pills with whatever sawdust they have lying around the floor and then selling it as, as a supplement because it's an unregulated market. Right. A lot of the time it's harmless. It does nothing because it's it's just organic matter right. that came from somewhere. Like, you know, it's some of them are ground up house, house plants. Right. Was found to be in several of them. And it's like, this is not going to hurt you. It's not going to do anything for you, but it's not going to actually hurt you to take it. Now, if you're taking that to exclusion to the exclusion of actual medicine, that can be dangerous, of course. And a lot of people do. And that's where I think the real harm comes in here is if you're taking something like this to the exclusion of actual medicine. Now, the thing that it's supposed to treat is not necessarily something that you'd get a lot of prescription for, I think. I'm really not familiar enough with, I guess, the medical prescriptions around things like right. libido. Libido, yeah. I don't know where Western medicine is at on that thing. I guess the other concern I have really is with these things, we don't know what they do to you. Right. Because it's never been tested. It's never been evaluated. It's never gone through the approval process at best it does nothing and at worst it could be actively harmful and you're probably paying an enormous amount for that too so that's just sort of i think the position on that yeah absolutely and also if you're not familiar with what the term dtf means we're gonna keep this family friendly <laughs> but we'll just say it's down to something down yeah. to something okay down to fun down to fun <laughs> <laughs> Down to frolic. <laughs> Down to frolic, yeah. So another thing they sell is vibrators, okay? And so, and that's fine. Like, sex toys are fine. They, people sell them all the time. But yeah. the company's very first vibrator was released on Valentine's Day this past year following extensive testing during the pandemic lockdowns. And in a witty comment made during their promotion, Goop states, quote, We've tested a lot of vibrators over the years, a job we take seriously, knowing that great vibrators lead to great orgasms. Basically, it's a pleasure, end quote. So give that PR a, a raise, that person a raise, because they nailed that. that that's awesome. I, I, I personally, I, I love this. I think yeah. this is great. <laughs> I think it's great. And and actually, there's nothing wrong with pleasure seeking. So like, if this is something that works for you, you know, and, and we'll get into some of the stuff about this too, but like when it comes to like the use of sex toys, there are certain materials that are more or less dangerous. There are certain things that you would want to access that are like cleanliness things. The problem is not the vibrator itself, except it's $15,000 if it's a gold vibrator. That's a different right. problem. That's where that, again, that price tag becomes a problem. And also I cannot imagine that it's, anywhere near safe to put a soft metal in your body. The fair point. That's something that we have to consider when it comes to this stuff. You know, we have experience as a as a species putting lead in our body, which is a soft metal, and that didn't go too well. Yeah, I mean, we so, look at the 70s and all the serial killers that were going on. Not that all metals are created equal. Obviously, they have different effects, but no, and honestly, I think I would be like, awesome, buy all the vibrators you want. People experiencing, you know, what they experience with vibrators, great, like, no judgment whatsoever, except that I'm really happy that they can do that. In this case, as you said, price tag, don't know what that's going to be. It can be extremely steep. We know with the gold ones. But the other thing is that you're just supporting a company that, that pushes an anti-science agenda. Right. So that, you know, unless there was some very specific reason to get there, I would just go somewhere else 
from some other reputable source to get those so that you're not pushing you're not supporting this uh, we're getting yeah. it slammed with yeah, yeah. lawsuits <laughs> i don't know if we made this comment before but like when it comes to soft metal could we consider metallica soft metal yeah i think you know and like papa roach yeah papa roach is soft metal yeah i like exactly. that <laughs> so another thing they sell are these jade eggs okay so stick with me on this <laughs> stick with me on this for 66 dollars, you can buy a jade egg and the idea is that it's inserted into the vagina to quote increase muscle tone hormonal balance and feminine energy Now, Kegels, understanding how Kegels work, that is a strengthening exercise. So holding something with your vagina might strengthen those muscles. However, hormonal balance, feminine energy, that gets into kind of that pseudoscience territory, that like metaphysical territory. And so much so, in fact, that in 2018, Goop had to pay $145,000 in civil penalties for unsubstantiated claims that vaginal jade eggs would balance hormones and regulate menstrual cycles. So this was a claim that they made. Now, the company is banned from making medically unconfirmed statements, hashtag fake news, but continue to sell this product. So they don't actually make claims that this thing does something. What they do instead is they just make a different claim where they say may have benefits or something like that, but they can't make any unconfirmed or unsubstantiated medical claims. Right. So we have a lot of things to cover, so we can't go super in depth on just the jade eggs. But I think suffice it to say, there's a lot of claims about what they're supposed to be able to do. And they're supposed to be able to for example, create a more intense orgasm, reduce the risk of leakage and promote healing, reduce the, the risk of uterine prolapse, reduce symptoms of incontinence, all kinds of things like this. It's supposed to strengthen it to make it a stronger grip during sex is how they describe it. The, the science on this is actually pretty clear. There hasn't been any scientific research on the risks or benefits associated with using jade eggs and quoting someone named Streacher. They say it's a hoax, a very expensive hoax. Using a jade egg isn't going to restore your hormones, cure incontinence, make sex more pleasurable, or help heal someone's trauma. And actually, furthermore, that the proper training to support these involves relaxing those muscles, not creating tension. Instead, if you create this consistent tension, you can actually create constipation, pain in the pelvic region, cause muscle spasms and lower back and abdominal pain. Yeah. So not only does it not do the things that it's arguing to do, but it's actively harmful. Right, it does the opposite. And furthermore, there is a general concern, as you were mentioning, of the hygiene involved in some of these things that you want to be careful whenever you're putting anything in soft parts of your body, your mouth, your ear, your other holes, whatever they may be, that they need to be extremely sterile because they bring with them bacteria mm-hmm. and other things that you don't want to just be shoving into your into your body. It can be very dangerous. So there's a lot of concerns with this as a general practice. And also, too, like at the end of the day, you're just putting a rock in your vagina. Yeah. Or where, wherever you're putting it. Or wherever you're putting it. You're putting a rock in your hole. And again, it doesn't it not only doesn't have any health benefits, it is actively harmful. Yeah, so absolutely. This is this is where I start to get angry with goop. Yeah, 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 yeah. So another product they offer is something called vaginal steaming. Now, first of all, whoever is naming these products, I want this job. I like I want I that's the only way I would work for goop is if I got to name things because I love <laughs> naming things. And this is this is just like just vaginal steaming. So this is not so much of a, a practice, you know, kind of going back to the idea of like what capital G goop does. It's not a product. You're not going to go buy vaginal steaming. It's an actual practice that they talk about. But we nor most sane people are suggesting this. Now, for that reason, we're going to leave it to you to Google what vaginal steaming is. 
and will not be supplying any directions in the show notes. This is a family-friendly show, and we will, however, be happy to tell you how to tie a cherry stem in your mouth. We'll share that task analysis for you. And that allegedly proves something sexual and is also far safer than vaginal steaming. So, you know, we'll give you that one. And suffice it to say, I think that this is another potentially extremely dangerous thing to do. Right. With no scientific evidence for any medical benefit whatsoever. Right. All right. Let's talk about bee sting therapy. This is a thing that came up a few years ago with goop and it basically is what it sounds like. Now they like to call it live bee acupuncture or apipuncture Mm -hmm. used to, in this case, target inflammation and swelling. Allegedly the bees venom swims through your veins and helps cure ailments. This is terrible advice yeah given the potential for many people to have an allergic reaction to to bee stings alone this is terrible advice but particularly if you've never been stung this would be a foolish way to do that experiment and find out how allergic you are how much it feels right you'd be better off watching tom hardy venom movie and you'd already be better off not watching it. <laughs> <laughs> oh i love alan and his little digs yeah yeah actually that was a fun movie i enjoyed it i, I haven't seen it yet but i heard it's good i might even recommend it yeah so yeah i think it really really important on this that bee stings there's so many reasons not to do this we already are in a crisis of dying bees that are vanishing on our planet bee stings does not help bees in any capacity Mm -hmm. they don't like to sting things they do it as a last ditch survival effort this is bad for people we do not react well to their venom that's why it works that's why it's venom furthermore acupuncture doesn't work we've got science on this as well it works as well if if you look at the gate control theory of pain and that sort of thing it works like a placebo and like a distraction, right? which you could do with a lot of different ways. It doesn't actually cure or, or help anything. And so you're combining a lot of dangerous things with a lot of pseudoscience dangerous things to make a one big dangerous thing. Yep. And what this proposes to do, reduce swelling and inflammation. Are you kidding? That's what bee stings do. That's exactly what they do. Do you mean like, like if you were to get stung in places around the area that's inflamed, so that those places swell up even more so that the inflamed place looks less inflamed relative to how inflamed the rest of your body is? Right. This is utter nonsense. Do not buy into it. Yeah. So there are descriptions of various diagnoses that exist in their wellness section, touching on topics such as depression, ADHD, autism, even for each section. They do well in describing the clinically accepted definitions and criterion for the diagnoses, as well as relevant symptoms. However, each page contains a laundry list of accepted and alternative treatment options, ranging from medication, environmental modifications, yoga, meditation, diets and more. And so while some of these are empirically backed, so they're 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 close Like they have some things on there that are helpful. Many aren't. And that becomes a significant problem where they go, you could do this, but you could do this other thing that has no science. And that's where that that ultimately becomes harmful. And although some of these unsupported options are on there and are probably harmless, there is enough information on there that there are people doing some wacky things and are doing things that could be not necessarily physically harmful, but financially harmful. They can be problematic for those people. It's a waste of time sometimes, most of the time when you're doing something that's not helpful. So this is where it becomes harmful when they're sharing information that's it's an alternative treatment that simply does not have enough backing for it. Yeah, and I mean, a lot of people are out there looking for those sort of off the off the cuff things that, or I guess on the fringe is maybe a better way to put it. They're out there looking for those on the fringe things that are the unsubstantiated portion you know they're looking for conspiracies they're looking for the little things that speak to them that are appealing to 
their biases and their uh, their opinions and they're not looking for science so right although it's certainly commendable that they didn't just completely ignore all the science it is also problematic to push non-science things yep absolutely particularly in things that are medical treatments and how we address and talk about and how we generally try and create support for vulnerable populations like those who have diagnoses mental health diagnoses that is exploitative and it is inappropriate and it is dangerous. Yep, absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about some of the criticisms that go along with this besides our own. Yeah, I say now that we've been doing that the whole time. Yeah, now that we've kind of like shared our thoughts, let's go ahead and talk about some criticisms from other places as well. Yeah, so there was the Goop Lab Netflix series. I actually haven't watched this one yet, so I'm going to I'm going to trust Alan's notes on this. Have you seen this one? I haven't seen it myself. OK, so hopefully some of our listeners have seen this or maybe you'll go check it out now. So they discuss alternative therapies for various physical and mental illnesses, such as energy healing. This is a uses a chiropractor trying an energy exorcism to relieve the body of stress and trauma. Imagining ancient Egyptians from our mummies episode with their tool picking the brain out. Just saying, <laughs> I almost got you, little bastard. Come on. <laughs> Get out of there. Get out. Now, this assumes that we exist in some kind of energy field or we have some energy field around us and, and you and you spent all this time getting people out of your bubble, right? We already had an energy field that's already around us. And, and body worker John Amaral claims focusing on a single particle can help manipulate its behavior. So, Morty, it's the particles. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the particles, Morty. <clears throat> yeah. Not, I'm, I'm, I don't do a good Rick impression. No, I don't either, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Paucho herself practiced this technique and claimed it helped relieve her of trauma following an emergency C-section she experienced with her daughter, daughter Apple. All right. Just not going to go into that today. Yeah, that's, <laughs> a different, that's a different thing. That's a different thing. So they also talk about cold exposure therapy. This is supposed to help balance hormones, reduce stress, and boost the immune system by teaching breathing techniques and then jumping into ice cold lake water. Hmm. Did you know the extreme athlete who Paltrow consults for this claims that, quote, if you learn how to breathe deep, you can go into the cold water and adapt. You become the alchemist of life itself. End quote. <laughs> Hashtag the more you know. You know. Okay, so yeah, let's uh, let's be real on this one. Yeah. So some studies have indicated the benefits of cold water therapy to treat pain after operations, but there is far more immediate risk of hypothermia, shock, and drowning if done recklessly or with the false belief of curing other types of ailments. So this is dangerous. If you go like watch like polar bear club videos where people jump into icy lakes, they jump in and they get right back out. They don't go swimming for miles and miles and miles. They're, they, they're done. It's like, this is cold. This sucks. Yeah. You can train yourself to adapt to the cold. A lot of deep sea divers have to do this anyway, particularly people who already live in super cold areas know how to do things like this. Right. And it also, again, there does seem to be some legitimate benefit to cold exposure in a safe way. The problem is like it's not super precise right now and we don't exactly know how it works and the way that it can be done can be extremely dangerous. There's those cold therapy chambers that people go in. Right. There actually is evidence to suggest that they do work, help remove like belly fat, for example, but they also use a chemical that if you breathe it in can be extremely dangerous. Right. So they really try to make sure you don't do that, but like it, it really only takes one inhalation to, to mess potentially you up. be fatal. Yeah. Yeah. So 
it's one of those things where like all good lies, there's a nugget of truth to a lot of these things. Right. Except the jade eggs. There's no, no truth there. Yeah. No truth. there. And the bee stings and the bee stings. Yeah. Okay. This is where we get, we're going to get really in the weeds with this. We can, we can totally do that now. Yeah. Another criticism is that they, they talk about psychedelics and Paltrow supports the use of uh, mushrooms and other psychedelics to help alleviate such things as addiction, anxiety, PTSD, those other types of diagnoses. And unfortunately she mentions a criticism of more widely adopted options such as cognitive behavioral therapy, which Okay. Now, unfortunately, uh, many people experiment with these substances without the oversight of medical professionals, bringing their efficacy and safety into question. Now, the thing is, is that we know there's a large body of literature that supports things like cognitive behavior therapy, behavioral interventions for these types of diagnoses. Now, we're not going to get into the weeds of all the science on that, but for her to outwardly criticize actual science while talking about uncontrolled substance use is a significant problem. And at least as of 2020, both LSD and mushrooms were listed on the UK as class A drugs, which possession includes a maximum sentence of seven years in prison. Come on, England, go listen to the new Adele album and chill out. Yeah, 30 is coming out. And we did we did a series of episodes on psychedelics. We have no problem necessarily with the potential use of psychedelics. And honestly, one of the things of, you know, if people want to take drugs I generally would not advise doing so, but if you're going to like, there also is some evidence to suggest that some of these drugs are much less harmful than others Mm -hmm. and may even have some medical benefit. So I really don't even feel like I'm in a position to recommend one way or another with a lot of them. Right. I think the particularly addictive ones is probably useful to try and stay away from. Yeah. But for the most part, the issue here, as you said, is criticizing science based and evidence based practice in favor of something that's barely on the cusp of emerging science. So could be beneficial. We hope there's a lot of utility there in the future and stick with science. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, is we're seeing this play out when it comes to vaccines too. So you've got vaccines and you've got people that like Joe Rogan that are touting ivermectin. And then like now Joe Rogan's a horse. That's what you get. That's what you get. That's what happens. That's what happens when you do non-science things. So I mean, the idea here, though, is like, again, like there are legitimate science, there's legitimate science out there. And then you have people who are not science experts criticizing scientific based practices. That is dangerous. That is why you have the Jenny McCarthy's of the world. Right. That's why you have those those things going on where people are drinking bleach or like trying to swallow lights to kill COVID. Okay, so that's these are different. These are different issues. Now, another criticism of capital G goop is the prices. And uh, Goop will occasionally offer deals like 40% off their products, which will still break your bank account even at the discount prices. So some examples include a $425 kitchen knife. Because again, they're not just purveyors of sex toys and vagina candles. They sell all other things. Right. A $1,220 casserole dish and a $7,425 lamp. Yeah, so you could buy a car or you could buy a lamp. Mm-hmm. I love lamp. I love I love lamp. <laughs> I was going to ask too. I'm like, how much should a, a really good knife run you? Because you know, I think arguably one of the more expensive knives that you can get in this country, are like Cutco knives, right? They set yeah. up in the malls and they like try and sell you simple products. I have Cutco knives. I really like them. I find a lot of value in those knives, and they're very expensive. Like that's yeah. not for everybody. You don't necessarily need to have knives that cost that much that are at that quality. Right. I mean, I generally would recommend them if you can afford them, but certainly if you can't, that's very understandable. They're expensive knives. Right. We're looking at like 70 bucks a knife. Right. And to me, that seems insanely steep. $425. Are you kidding me? Like that knife better pay, do your taxes for you. Like, 
if it's going to be that expensive. And to be fair, I will say, like, I have friends who are chefs that, like, I know that, like, cutlery is, like, it's like your toolkit. Like, you spend right. good money on a good knife. Like, and I mean, like, even Anthony Bourdain, like, in his book, will talk about, like, get a couple good knives. You don't need everything. You need enough. So, like, I understand that. But, like, you're also buying this from a place that sells vagina candles. So, this is not a place that's, like, this is not expert. Like, these are not leaders in the industry on this stuff. And I think that's another thing, too. These are not, this is not their expertise. Yeah. This is a product that they carry. Right. And then that lamp price tag. I mean, there's literally nothing a lamp could do that would make it worth that price tag. Not right. one thing in the entire universe could that lamp do. Yeah. So, no, I agree. I agree with you. The website also pushes an aspirational lifestyle. This seems to include things such as those we've already mentioned and also a $700 plus pajama set. Yeah. Because, because why know, not? Because why not? Some have compared Paltrow to Martha Stewart and dabbling in eccentricities, but for comparison, Martha Stewart maintains a healthy relationship with accessibility and reality through her everyday brand at Kmart. So she does sell things that are affordable to most people. Straw poll for our audience, Walmart or Kmart? Hmm. Since one of them is out of business, I think I know the answer. <laughs> yeah, I think there's, <laughs> there's not really another way to go about that. Yeah. And Paltrow's response to the prices she told the New York Times, quote, our stuff is beautiful. The ingredients are beautiful. You can't get that at a lower price point. You can't make these things mass market, end quote. So I think essentially landing on the fact that we can charge higher prices for them. So we're going to. Yeah, that's that's what it sounds like. It's just consumerism at its finest. I mean, that's all it is. Just capitalism at its uh, like really it's it's capitalism working. Yeah, that's what it is. Stage capitalism. That's all yeah. It is. The outrageous claim that, quote, negativity could manipulate the physical environment. Spoiler alert, it doesn't. Okay, we know that. We, we can recognize that. Go ahead and be your negative self. You might be an asshole, but you won't be causing earthquakes. Yeah. And I think that's an important distinction. You're not going to crack the ground with your pessimism. What you're going to do is you're probably going to break up some friendships. Your people aren't going to want to invite you to dinner, but you're not going to end the world. Yeah. And so if the argument is like that negativity piece, it just doesn't, it doesn't fly. Yeah, I think the recommendation here is being clear that being negative is not going to make you happy. As a matter of fact, it's probably going to make every day suck for you, but it's not going to actually affect this physical environment. And maybe I'm trying to think of an experiment you could do here. You could do one where you like paint two different sections of wall in your house and one of them you go yell at and be really negative to and the other one you say nice things to and you see which one peels faster. And if you believe in your heart of hearts that there's going to be any difference whatsoever, I really encourage you to do this experiment. Yeah. And I also I want to focus on or I want to point out, like, don't sabotage the experiment. Don't just peel the one that you're being mean to just to make yourself right. <laughs> or maybe do it with something like uh, pick a few sports teams, you know, and just start. Well, no, then you just pick ones that, you know, are going to lose. Right. Do something that you have, you know, you have no control over and, and do that. See if you can influence the world. Why does this persist? Why is Goop still around? Okay. Well, it's tough to say. Like, it's likely a combination of name recognition and a sleeky and sexy presentation by Capital G Goop's advertising experts. I mean, it's marketing, right? The website, the blogs, the media campaigns, the designs of the product are likely meticulously planned to increase the appeal of products toward a wide audience, despite the fact that the wide audience probably can't afford it. Further, many of the products cater towards taboo parts of life that can be enhanced in private or in public, if you fancy, by indulging in capital G Goop products. The idea, though, is like it's an appeal to emotion. It's an appeal to an idealistic lifestyle. It's an appeal to that like kind of I want to reach that pedestal. I want to get to that goalpost that I'm never going to get to. 
right? It, it feels good to be like, I, it's aspirational. And if it's aspirational, you're never going to achieve it. Right. And so that's, people want that. People want to go to like that place that's at that idyllic lifestyle. So on Latana.com claims that Goop has built a quote, cult of eccentricity and luxury around their muse and leader, end quote. And Goop seems to be very aware of its target audience and the gaps that they're trying to fill in their own lives. Whether or not these gaps are being exploited is where the controversy arises, of course. But for every vulnerable individual, you have a potential customer and selling them unverified products and advice might seem like a violation of responsibility to the consumer. But that idea also comes with controversy. Right. So Latana.com also lists a sequence of steps which capital G Goop succeeds. So first, identify and address your target audience's concerns. Make suggestions, but don't coerce. So you're all you're doing is saying, hey, this might work. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. You create a community and sprinkle in that absurd. So you've got a group of people kind of talking in the echo chamber that do this. And then you slowly integrate your own product lines. And that's why you start kind of seeing this kind of gradually increase. It started with smaller products, more affordable products, and kind of expanded now to more absurd products, as well as stuff that's kind of useful. So it's like sprinkled in with things that would work and things that are also definitely not going to work. This is not terribly different from building a cult. I mean, there the cult will take a few more steps than this, but that's... This is more or less the same playbook. Yeah. It's a manipulation tactic. Further, Goop cleverly spins any public criticism in the media as a positive light on their brand that only strengthens their impact, saying, hey, look at these naysayers. They're accusing us. They don't want you to know the truth. That's another huge red flag, by the way, when someone's saying, like, they don't want you to know the truth. Only we know the truth. Yeah. I I don't even know how to understand and wrap my head around the level of just bold-faced narcissism that is in that, you know? Yeah. And also, like, we're not experts, but that's a good thing. Don't trust the expert. The people who've devoted years of their lives to this, they're just lying to you. Right. What? Yeah, like the, the hubris. How does that the hubris work? that goes along with that. Yeah, yeah. Hubris is even better, as better word for this. I mean... And that works. I mean, it's an effective marketing point for a lot of campaigns. And Goop is just another one. You know, they're just in line of the people who know to exploit people who buy into that kind of rhetoric. Yeah, absolutely. So you're going to take a celebrity like Gwyneth Paltrow, okay, and all that she's accomplished in her career paired with the environment that she came of age in. So then have her endorse and embrace a series of products that she swears by to improve her own personal well-being. You want to be like Paltrow? Buy these products and hashtag you can too. So stick this egg in the you know where, light this explosive candle, take a magic sex pill, and soon you'll be an Academy Award winner too. Those are not the steps to her success. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. that was definitely not. <laughs> it went the opposite direction. Become famous and then trick people into buying stuff. From <laughs> and then ruin your career. Points. Yeah, exactly. And somehow be in Marvel movies. Yeah, it's a whole thing. So I don't know that there's much more to say about this. I mean, ultimately, we've come down to the idea that this is incredibly pseudoscientific. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the big main take home points of this is the problem with Goop is its anti-science agenda. And it particularly, it couches this anti-science agenda in a cult-like approach to manipulating behavior by selling you platitudes and lies. Yeah. It's by telling you, you know, appealing to a lot of logical fallacies, appeals to nature. This is good because it's natural. Snake venom is natural. And I'm sure that they would try and sell it, you know? Yeah. Lava is also natural. Lava is natural. There are lots of natural things that are trying to kill you. 
but the fact that something is natural is, is not necessarily an endorsement of its quality. Right. I do get what people are trying to go as like less processed stuff. And that might be a, a laudable goal in some cases. Like, you know, eating food that is less processed is generally recommended over food that's been highly processed. Right. But I think it's not a universal. Like there's no panaceas out there. Right. So that's, I think, the major one of the major take home points I have is this is it uses a very common playbook for manipulating vulnerable people into giving them money into believing their lies and it is pushes this anti-science agenda yeah so while goop was intended to be a source of kind of some wellness tips for women such as healthy recipes sex tips beauty products and more it starts towing the line of those of offering those potentially dangerous products and i would make the argument that they're like financially dangerous but there's also like physically dangerous and it tips for a variety of sensitive topics such as depression pregnancy autism and sexual health that they're not qualified to make comments on right that's a big part is too they're not experts on this yeah they're not And then they're criticizing the experts on those things. Right, right, right. So the question of who bears the responsibility for the information remains is it on the consumer to weed out the unsupported options or Goop, who is a major product who can influence people to better support their claims. I would make the argument that it's probably on Goop, but we're also in a free market society where people can elect to buy into these types of products. And I think what's really important here is understanding sort of who is the one doing the lying to you on this. And so Gwyneth Paltrow was born and raised in a sea of the Hollywood elite. Perhaps her experience with a particular lifestyle led her to believe that such trends have mass appeal. Unfortunately, this is a pipe dream for most Americans and and most others around the world. With great wealth comes great responsibility, as Spider-Man might say. Yeah, I think that's exactly what he said. Notoriously wealthy Spider-Man. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And (laughs) those who are less fortunate are always looking for ways to better their quality of life. That's that's just a given, right? Right. and, And we want people to be able to better their lives. And to the end, we must ask ourselves, does true happiness lay in an affordable price of eggs or a jade egg you stick down yonder? For the love of God, somebody do this for their dissertation. <laughs> I mean, and this is this is what's wild to me is there are people who are not experts telling you trust like their only motivation is to take your money. That's it. Yeah. They don't actually care about your well-being. All they want is to take your money. And they're telling you, don't trust the experts. Trust me. I mean, this is like this is swindler con man from the 1800s 101 that nothing has changed. Right. There have been people in history, for example, who went in and they're like, I know how to find gold for you in them there hills. I'm going to consult my magic rocks. Yeah. And then they would be like, cool, I'm going to pay you all this money to consult your magic rocks and find me that gold. They didn't know where gold was. Right. But, you know, they come in, they tell you, like, don't listen to those experts. Don't listen to those prospectors. They don't know what they're doing. Listen to me. I got magic rocks. Okay. Right. Like, give me your money. And then some people feel like it's righteous to believe that person. I'm like, that's all the con person wants. It's like, yeah, it's righteous to believe me. Give me all your money. Oh, my God. (laughs) But this is this is modern day hair growing tonic. This is modern day. All those things that you used to see like elixirs and salves for and that people would like go around like step right up and get your da 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 da. Like this is the this is the same kind of like it's just it's just you're talking about it in a modern time where there's websites and there's marketing and there's science behind how they package this stuff but not what they're packaging. Right. And maybe we should have oriented this, you know, more toward how that actual marketing works. And maybe we saw that for an episode down the road, but you know, it probably was worth really just digging in on like, what are they doing in this organization? And then maybe we need a, a goop two Yeah. episode. Goop two electric boogaloo. 
Yeah, I could do like, got the double O's in there. <laughs> and in that capacity, we can continue to highlight because this is not endemic to Goop by itself. This is this is a very long practice of conning people. Absolutely. That is going on and, you know, recently became a political thing. Yeah. Where now po- politicians can con people. And that's just that's just a thing that we've accepted as being the reality we live in now. Yep. So, and that's how you get Ted Cruz's. <laughs> yeah, that's how you get Ted Cruz's. <laughs> and Joe Manchin's. Ah, the worst. The worst. So anyway, that's sort of where things are at. I hope that we didn't incur a lawsuit on ourselves, but eh, it's worth it. It's worth it. <laughs> I, you know, I think at the end of the day, the point is we push a pro-science agenda. We're in favor of evidence-based, science-based practices and medicine. And so anything that somebody does that pushes science and evidence, we're going to support anything that pushes anti-science and non-evidence-based procedures we're going to bring to task. We're going to call them out for that. Absolutely. We need to wrap this up. Let's do some recommendations. All right. Recommendations. As we're leaving the fall season and entering winter, I think there's one beverage that people can enjoy no matter what time of year it is, but especially during this time. And that is apple cider. Mm. I love me some apple cider. Yeah, I man. love warm apple cider. A little bit of caramel in it. Swirl it with a cinnamon stick. Mm, hot damn. <laughs> but I also like cold apple cider. I will drink I will drink jugs of apple cider. I don't know if you prefer. I, well, I know you don't prefer this, but some people might do this. I enjoy a little bit of whiskey in my hot, hot apple cider or my cold apple cider. And it's nice and warming. It's, it's like liquid sunshine. Okay. <laughs> like people always talk about Florida being like the sunshine state and talk about oranges. That's not where it is. It's apple cider. That's where it is. So go get yourself a glass of apple cider and just, just live it. That's awesome. Yeah, definitely. I can get behind some apple cider. I don't drink a lot of apple cider, but not for honestly, it's just, I, I just don't make the effort, but it's totally worth it. It's, it's awesome. Totally. The grocery store I go to has a honey crisp apple cider, which is like next level. Oh man. Mm hmm stepping up their game i'm saying all right i am going to recommend a movie so i am way behind on this because sometimes (laughs) i don't get to go see movies when they come out in theaters particularly when they come out during a pandemic the movie a quiet place part two now you recommended a quiet place part one and i also really enjoyed that movie and i thought quiet place part two was super good strong recommend very well directed, well acted, very well written. The opening sequence of this movie is like extremely engaging and, and well done. So I guess I, I couldn't heap a lot more praise on it than that. It's not really currently available at the time that we're recording this on any of the streaming services. Hopefully it will be by the time this comes out or it will be soon thereafter. But if you can go watch it, A Quiet Place Part 2, super good movie. I like it. I support that recommendation. Also, I guess warning it is a, it is technically like a monster horror movie, so there's yeah violence and just scary in time things. for the holidays. That's right. Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of monstrous horror, we we're planning to do an episode on the origins of Santa Claus. So. Yep, get ready. <laughs> <laughs> Again, all fun until somebody dies and <laughs> there there will be heads rolling. Yes, yes, yes. That is the theme of the show. Apparently, now why we do what we do until somebody dies. That's right. Okay. You have anything else? Nope, that's it. All right, perfect. I'm tired of talking about goop. Well, yes. If you are a goop, would like to tell us about goop, would like to share a recommendation for your favorite fall treats or movies, if you would like to stand in defense of goop or expand 
on why their scare tactics work to trick so many people into believing their lies, please reach out to us. You can email us at info at www.podcast.com. You can also reach us on all the social media platforms at that same handle. If you just want to say hi, just reach out to yeah. us. That's totally cool, too. We really like hearing from people. I want to say thank you for the people who helped make this happen. That is Amanda, Justin, Justine, Layla, Megan, Mike M, Mike T, and Shauna. These are people who have joined us on Patreon. They get bonus content. They get episodes early. They get notes. They get videos of us recording, all kinds of fun stuff. So if you wanted to join that, if you like what you're listening to and you would like to help support us and you'd like to get some bonus stuff, you consider signing up for as little as a dollar a month. And then there are various levels at which you can join that come with additional benefits. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, if you don't want to support us financially because you don't want to or you can't, but you would like to support us in some way, always telling a friend, leaving us a rating and review are ways that you can do that. I would like to say thank you, Shane, for recording with me today. Always. Thank you for recording with me. Yes. Thank you, listeners, for joining us on this journey through Goop. Thank you so much to our team who helps make this happen. Justin Greenhouse, Amber, Britt, Shane, Selena, Kyle, and Alan. Particularly, Alan is the one who helped us put the notes together for today's episode. So thank you for your awesome writing. And I think that's all I have. This is Abraham. And this is Shane. We're out. See ya. You've been listening to Why We Do What We Do. Why We Do What We Do is supported in part by our amazing patrons. Thank you. If you like what you heard, consider becoming a patron by heading to patreon.com slash podcast. You can also rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts or share this episode with your friends. If you have any comments or questions, we'd love to hear from you. Find us at podcast on your favorite social media platforms. You can learn more about this and other episodes by going to www.podcast.com. There, you'll find links as well as detailed and shareable show notes. Why We Do What We Do is researched and produced by Abraham, Ryan O, Shane, and Miranda. Artwork and logo design by Andrew Pollock at nogdesigns.com. Video and production assistance from Tyler Brassier with music courtesy of Justin Greenhouse. Thanks for listening, and we hope you have an awesome day. Thank you.